In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So for a Jew, in the Jewish tradition, that at the age of six, a boy would start to learn and go to school from the age six to ten. And what he would learn is the first five books of the Torah. The Torah is the Jewish uh, Bible, you can say. And so they would memorize uh, all the lines and they would know the stories of these first five books. And then if you're until about 10 years old, so 6 to 10 years old, and if you're a decent student, they would just say, okay, well, now you've learned what you need to learn, now go learn the trade of your father. But if you're the best of the best, what would happen in this situation, if you're the best of the best of these students at 10 years old, then they would say they would invite you to continue. And not all would get chosen for that. So you would continue with schooling, and then you would learn. From the age 10 to the age 15 years old, you would go on to the next school. And you would learn the rest of the books after the five books of the Torah. The Psalms and the Proverbs, you would learn the stories, you would learn again. Um, all these, uh, memorize the lines. And if you were the best of the best at that point, then they would say to you, okay, now you're no longer going to go to school, go, fan, go find a rabbi, go find a teacher, and follow him, and go and shadow him. Go and shadow him and see how he lives his life. You've learned the Torah, you've learned the Bible, and now it's time for you to apply what you've learned, but go and shadow this rabbi. Go and follow him, see how he lives his life, see how he treats his family, see how he prays, see how he lives his life. And the whole goal of this is by the end of the disciple, right? If you're a your disciple, you're, you're learning. The whole goal is that by the end of your life as a disciple, your life would look so much like your rabbi, like your teacher, by the time that you pass away. That's the whole entire goal. And so many of us, right, we haven't been reading the Bible since six years old. We've come to follow God. We've come to follow Jesus, the rabbi, later on in life. Right? We didn't have this opportunity at 6 years old to 10 years old, and then go to the next school from 10 to 15 years old, and then, okay, now go and find a rabbi. We have come to follow Jesus later on in life. Jesus is our rabbi. The disciples follow Jesus later in life. These disciples in today's gospel, they're following Jesus later in life. They started following him later. And the whole goal of the disciples, the whole goal of us and our lives, is that by the end of our lives, since Jesus is our teacher, since Jesus is our rabbi, and we are his disciples, that by the time we pass away, our lives look more and more like Jesus' life. Because that's the purpose of having a rabbi. That's the whole goal. And Jesus, we know, is not just a rabbi, he's God. Right? Jesus Christ is not only a rabbi, he's God, he's Savior. And so today, the disciples, they're asking their rabbi, right? They're his disciples. I want my life to look like your life. So today, they come up to Jesus and they ask the rabbi, hey, we're here to learn from you. You're our teacher. So they want to talk to him today about suffering. They want to talk to him about this blind man. They want to talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, this man was born blind. Whose fault is it? His fault? Did he sin? His mother's fault? His father's fault? We're your disciples. We want to learn. We want to know so we can go and teach others what sh they should prevent from doing. What they shouldn't do in their lives to avoid this type of suffering in their lives. So Jesus, you're our rabbi, you're our teacher. Whose fault is it? Who's to blame, basically, is what they're asking. They want to know this so, again, they can avoid such sufferings themselves and teach others. Jesus answers, and he gives an answer. It's a profound answer if we pay attention. He says, neither he nor his mother or his father sinned. 
It is so that the works of God may be made visible through him. Right? If we're disciples of Jesus, he's our rabbi. And today, as, 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 uh, as humans, when suffering enters into our lives, we want to blame. We want to know whose fault is this. Right? And Jesus says, and gives an answer today. And so again, when pain and suffering enters into our lives, we have two options. We have two options. Follow our Savior, our Rabbi, our Teacher, and what His response is. That's one option. Or we can play the blame game. And we'll talk about both of those. So playing the blame game. The blame game is a vicious cycle. This is a vicious cycle and gets us tangled up in even more suffering. We're always trying to wonder whose fault it is. Who do I blame that I am in this pain? It's this person's fault. It's this person's fault. And then we go down this rabbit hole, and before we know it, we're even worse. Our pain is even stronger. Now that could be a spiritual pain. I'm, I'm constantly in this, uh, this, this sin that I cannot seem to get rid of. Whose fault is it? It's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. It can be an emotional suffering. It could be a physical suffering. Whatever it may be, when we play the blame game, we suffer more. We suffer more because there's no answer. There's no answer. And I will go as far to say that the enemy, the devil, loves when we play the blame game. He loves it. Because again, it causes us more suffering. Causes us more suffering. Yes, choices have consequences. People have made choices in our lives that have hurt us. Financially, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically, sexually, fill in the blank. These choices have consequences and have hurt us. Right? If we just ask, right, why am I always defensive? When people say to me, why am I always defensive? Or come to us and say, why are you always defensive? Oh, oh I, I blame my siblings because growing up, I, 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 they were, I was always bullied. And now I just, as an adult, I go into attack mode. Every time somebody wants to have a conversation with me, every time I receive any type of criticism, I'm just, so, so I blame my siblings. Sure, siblings could have caused us some pain. But that's blame. That's shifting blame. That's not allowing me to assume my responsibilities as an adult. Or, why can't I trust? Oh, I can't trust people because my ex cheated on me. Because he cheated on me, it's his fault or her fault that I just can't, I can't trust people. So it's, I, I blame the pain on somebody else. Sure, there's a, there's a truth there, but that can't be how I live my life. Right? I have a bad temper. Well, it's my father's fault I have a bad temper because my father, well, growing up, always we were walking on eggshells and he would always blow up. We didn't know what, how he was going to behave when he got home. So I'm like this now because it's my father's fault. I blame my father for the pain. Or I'm super critical. Hey, why are you so critical? Why are you so judgmental? Well, I'm super critical because growing up, my mom always made me feel like I'm not good enough. So it's her fault. So when we make these excuses, the problem with this, there is a problem with this, right? The problem is when my reason becomes my excuse. Let me repeat that. This is a huge problem when we shift blame in this blame game is because the problem is my reason becomes my excuse. The reason I'm this way is because of this excuse. Brothers and sisters, that's not living in freedom of Jesus Christ. 
That's not living how God wants us to live. That's not how he wants us to be. Again, and the reason we play this blame game is because if there, I can blame somebody else, then I could just say, well, it's not my fault. Right? I, I want to know that it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault, and I never assume that responsibility. I never grow. I never allow Jesus into that pain. I just use it as an excuse to say, this is how I am. Again, no freedom there. No joy, no peace. That's the problem with the blame game. Rather than the blame game, we can either take another option. We could take the other option and say, Jesus, you're my rabbi, you're my savior. I am going through this pain, I'm going through this suffering. You're my rabbi, Jesus, you are my savior. And Jesus, from this parable or from this story 2,000 years ago in the Bible, rather than shifting blame, I can do what it is that you want me to do. I can, I can believe what it is that you want me to believe, which is, Jesus, whose fault is it? And he says, nobody's fault. Works of God, so the works of God can be made visible. That Jesus, what you're saying, that your works can be made visible through this pain, that I can be a light and have peace and joy no matter what it is that I've gone through, because your life is being manifested through me into this world. If, if, we, if I allow you into it, Playing the blame game, I don't allow Jesus into it. It's someone else's fault. Turning to Jesus and saying, yes, I'm in pain. I know you can do miraculous things like you did for that man born blind 2,000 years ago. If I just allow you into this pain, then the light, the light starts to shine. Jesus says in the scriptures, I am the light of the world. Well, people can't see Jesus. We're the light. We're the light. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Through his pain and suffering of this man born blind, he allowed the works of God to be made visible through him, to manifest through him. That people were marveled and amazed around this man. Right? Jesus, on the cross, never played the blame game. Right? If we think about it, Jesus 2,000 years ago, on the cross, could have, been the, could have played the blame game. He could have looked at us and said, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your sins. I did this because of you. Look at your pain that you've caused me. Look at this. I blame you. It's your fault. And he could and should have said that. It was our fault that Jesus was nailed to a cross to save us because we had lost our salvation. But he didn't. He didn't blame us. He didn't blame others. Actually, he does the complete opposite. It says in the Bible, Jesus says to his apostles at the Last Supper, he says, I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Basically, I want to do this for you. I don't blame you. And that's exactly what Jesus did, right? He kept his eyes fixed on the Father as he was being nailed to the cross. He didn't blame others, and it was through that pain that he was on the cross, that the works of God could be manifested through Jesus Christ. And what good could have come out of that ugly crucifixion is our salvation. And God can do the same exact thing for us today, rather than playing the blame game. And again, to keep asking whose fault, who's to blame, is this vicious, ugly cycle that only hurts us more. The devil loves it. 
The most important question is not whose fault it is. The most important question is, what am I going to do with it? Blame? Or allow the works of God be manifested through this pain for the rest of the world to see that my God is alive. My rabbi is not some guy 2,000 years ago distant in the sky. He's with me and he's guiding me. That's why I have joy, even though my life's not perfect. That's why I have peace, even though I have a lot of stresses. That's why I'm not anxious, because my Jesus is not passed away. He resurrected from the dead, and he will resurrect this pain if I allow him to. I'll just end with this. In 1979, there was a doctor, I heard this story recently. Um, in 1979, doctor, there was a, a doctor named Dr. David Raban. He's not Chaldean, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not Rabban. So Dr., uh, Dr. David Rabban was 45 years old. So he's a 45-year-old man, and he was diagnosed with ALS. ALS is basically where um, you start to get weak, your body is shutting down, muscles, it starts in your feet, from my understanding. It starts with your feet, and then it just starts to slowly, you can't walk, and then it goes to your knees, works up your body, and eventually you can't move your hands, and you can't even speak. So 45 years old, this man, and he was diagnosed with ALS. And that's exactly what started to happen in his life. There was another physician who invented a computer, and as long as you can control, you can have, as long as you had control over one muscle group, you can operate the computer and communicate. So this other doctor, he, he created this other machine. Created this other machine. And so Dr. Raban, the last muscle he could control the last four years of his life was his eyebrow, because again, it works from your feet all the way up, from my understanding. With that one eyebrow, he was still able to communicate with his family using this computer. Tell them that he loves them, that he jokes around with them, he makes them laugh. With that one eyebrow, he continued to tutor medical students. With that one eyebrow, he wrote the text on endocrinology. And he did this because he didn't waste his time asking whose fault is this, who's to blame. He asked the question, what can I do with this? And God was able to be glorified in his life before he passed away four years later, at the age of 50. One eyebrow. So brothers and sisters, today, we make a decision. Blame gain, suffering even more, or Jesus, I surrender my pain. I allow you into it, so that you too, Jesus, your life can be manifested through me and I can be a light in this world because again, people can't see you, Jesus, but I'll be your light because you're working through me and with me. Amen?